Hello and welcome to the Practice Drill Podcast episode 41. This week, we're talking about the Origin 1 selections, my favorite time of year. Then, we talk about Buddy Franklin being handed a one-match ban and whether we believe it was the right call. And then, we finish off with the NBA Finals. They're finally here, Boston against Golden State, two of the two of the older sides in the NBA. And then, we finish off as we have in the last few weeks with the quick fire round. Shout out to Sencho for providing that killer intro and uh, introducing my good mate Blaze. Blaze, it comes six nights away. We're going head-to-head once again. We've just gone head-to-head in fantasy. Just want to let everyone know I got the big, big, big win. Uh, just a bit of revenge for earlier in the season. And now, once again, we're going head-to-head in origin. Uh, must be excited. Yeah, always a very exciting time. I think particularly, you know, we live quite close to a core stadium where the game will be held. So you see, uh, you know, the flags start to go up and, and you start to see particularly, I guess, the New South Wales guys, you see different people floating around around the stadium. And, and as you say, that excitement just builds up until next Wednesday night when I'm sure it will be a sellout. And, yeah, huge event. Look, I, uh, I've, been, I've been hunting for a Queensland jersey over the last couple of days, gone into the city, and I'll tell you what, the looks I've been getting from you dirty New South Welshmen, I'm going, you know, you know, can you do a deal? Two jerseys, can you do a deal? Rebel Sport, weren't interested, shout out to them. Um, and then these people, while I'm walking back from the change rooms, looking at me laughing, I'm going, just you wait, just you wait for game one, and wait for game two, and wait for game three, when we wrap up the series 3-0, there at Suncorp. Um, but yeah, like you said, we do live very, very close to a core stadium and, and those flags have been up for a while. Uh, shout out to Josh Adekar who's actually on them. Um, didn't see that one coming, but we'll get into it in just a second. Um, but as I always ask you in the past week of sport, what have you looked, uh, what have you enjoyed the most? Yeah, I was enjoying our fantasy matchup until, until the Sunday Canberra Raiders, um, shout out to Tom Starling for <laughs> one of the great performances I think he played one of the great second half performances. Yeah, I think he played about 20 minutes and scored maybe 25 when I needed about a 50 out of him. So, uh, yeah, that was very disappointing. But it was it was a good matchup for it the first really three matchup. days. Um, and it was also great to get to the AFL on Friday night for what was also a pretty amazing matchup. Uh, Buddy Franklin put on an absolute clinic again, yeah. and the Swans came up with a really close victory. He's had to put up another clinic last night at the tribunal, but we'll get into that in our second segment. Um, but let's jump straight into it. Oh, before I get into it, go and follow us on Twitter at the moment. I am getting very lippy on Twitter at some New South Wales fans, um, and I'm also posting a lot about the NBA Finals. Very exciting. Again, another topic we'll get into in the podcast. Um, but, Blaze, Origin 1 teams, New South Wales was announced on Sunday after... Um, that Raiders-Eels game you just touched upon. Um, I just want to know, what were your first um, impressions when you saw the squad? Were you, were you happy with it? I think I was happy with the squad. I was a little pretty surprised. Obviously, you kind of see the news, I guess, 24 hours out. They start to you know, have some hearings about what's going to be the team. And obviously, the big one was Josh Adokar in the back line being completely dropped from the squad and, and Daniel Tupo coming into the squad on the wing there. A um, bit of a surprise one for me. I think Josh odokar has been, you know, a real force for New South Wales over the years. And, and even when we've struggled, I think he's a guy that brings a lot of energy and, and has proven performances in the State of Origin arena. So I was a bit surprised to see Tupo come back in. But having said that, he, he's also been pretty impressive. And 
I think, you know, he brings a lot of tough carries. Him and him and Brian Toto will, you know, be bringing a lot of meterage, uh, you know, in those first few tackles coming out of our end. I think that's the, the luxury of being a New South Welshman, you know, fan, player, coach, is that you've just got a variety of picks. Um, and as you said, you, you can't really go wrong with Daniel Tupo or, or Brian Toto over at a car. Um, I do feel for him, though. Like, it is a little bit stiff. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, he's been out of form, but he scored, he scored 10 origin tries. Origin tries aren't easy to come by. I mean, you know, Greg Inglis and Darius Boyd are one and two from that left edge for Queensland, and I think right behind them. And if I think, you know, this Josh Adekar's definitely not played his last origin game, but to leave him out and all the performances he's had in the past, you know, I, I find that... um a bit disrespectful for a start. Shows a lack of culture within the New South Wales team. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm absolutely shocked. And I, what I find most disrespectful is he doesn't have to play, right? You can bring him into the squad. Like, for example, they brought Joseph Sawali in. Totally understand it's about getting a young guy in, get him used to some of those experienced players, get him around some of the best players in the competition. Um, I But... You're telling me you couldn't add Josh Adokar in that list? Think about, like, we, on the practice drill, we follow both Queensland and New South Wales. And what I always find when I'm looking at the content, and we've had this chat last year, is that I always find New South Wales content is really strong. Like, they'll they'll post about them training and even stuff kind of run by the players. You know, Latrell, Josh Adokar, laughing, joking around. Like, they seem to bring a lot of energy. That's also, like, a bit of a calming energy as well. And to leave that out of the squad is really, really questionable. Um, I don't think he's been playing that badly. Um, he did struggle in the first few weeks. Took him a while to score his first try for them. Um, but yeah, to start off with with the team announcements, I, I'm uh, disappointed about that call. Um, but i got to ask you, besides that, Crichton and Jake Travojevic also missing out. What did you think about that? You, you still fine with that? Yeah, I think we're still fine for that. Uh, you know, Jake Travojevic in particular has probably been struggling a little bit at Manly. Obviously, you've got Isaiah Yo there in the 13 role, so he would have to, you know, fill into that front row position in State of Origin. And, and I think, you know, the New South Wales front row is a pretty dominant, and, and we've probably gone for a little bit more mobility on the bench with the likes of, you know, Ryan Madison's been in great form, yep. and, and Liam Martin as well comes from that great Panthers side. So... Yeah, probably a little bit more leg speed on the bench, and, and unfortunately, I guess Drake Travojevic has, uh, yeah, fallen out of that squad. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him, and I think for both, both players, I I actually think it's the right call. Um, Freddie's definitely picked on form and form alone, and and that's totally fine because it's not about you know it's about having the players do the role come Wednesday. It's not about what they've done in the past. Um, but as I, I still stick to my point about Josh Adokai, I still think he should be in the squad. Um, but I guess one of the biggest talking points before we move on to Queensland about this New South Wales squad has been Stephen Crichton picked at number 14 and Jack Whiten in the number four jersey to start at left centre. What did you think? Do you think this is the way that that team's going to shape up come Wednesday? For me, I'd probably see Crichton moving into the centres to start the game and Whiten moving on to the bench just because I, I don't see Crichton having as much of an impact, especially through the middle. I think that's where you really want to get your impact coming off the bench in State of Origin. Obviously, 
Crichton will come on. He can't really play, you know, that lock position or in the halves. So he'll have to be, you know, out in the centres or on the wing. And I just don't think he's as useful in the number 14 compared to a Jack White. And so although they've been named that way, I wouldn't be surprised to see them flip around. But, you know, it was definitely a pretty interesting selection. You know, you spoke about, I guess, Fittler selecting on form for some other positions. But Jack White is a guy that, I guess he's moved him out of position, obviously plays in the halves for the Raiders and, and, and has been playing quite well, especially in the last month. But Whiten's a guy that Freddie Fittler obviously really trusts and to do a job out of position and, and he's obviously going to cover, I guess, a multitude of positions throughout yeah. the series. Yeah, no, definitely uh, a very interesting call by Freddie Fittler. But um, like you said, there's some time before... Um, game one if he wants to make that change but let's have a look at the mighty Maroons no bias um, Queensland name a pretty exciting side um, with four debutants. those debutants being Selwyn Cobbo um, Ruben Cotter Pat Carrigan and Jeremy Nanai um, two of them coming off the bench and I guess similar to what we just spoke about with that Crichton 14, um, White and number four kind of role with that utility. Queensland also being quite questionable. We spoke about it just before we started. Um, what what do you think about Ben Hunt getting that starting role and then Grant in the number 14 jersey? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised just seeing it off the bat, but obviously, you know, you kind of just expect that Harry Grant will be in that nine role given that he's probably in the top two hookers in the game along with Damian Cook but obviously you know they've got a plan there and and I'm sure I guess whatever that role is uh, Grant will I guess provide some impact and and maybe Hunt will will shift to somewhere else throughout the game. Yeah for me um, it's a stroke of masterpiece from Billy Slater Um, you know it's 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 what we've already seen Harry Grant's debut in game three back in 2020 he did the exact same thing and he scored it's about uh, it's definitely a move to uh, impact the tied New South Wales forwards because the thing about Origin is, is although these guys are supreme athletes great in great nick, um, it just it looks like, from my zero games of Origin, it looks like the pace is just something that no one can really prepare for. Um, I guess you just kind of ease into it and you're focusing on your task. So, you know, those those big body forwards, your junior Paulos, your Payne Hasses, um, even your, your Tarek Sims, Isaiah Yos, they're going to be targeted by Ben Hunt early. And I think for Ben Hunt, it's just about giving good service. He's a great passer as, a, as, as the number seven for the Dragons. Um, you know, he's got to be one of the best hookers that doesn't play hooker in the NRL. Um, so I think he's going to do a great job. I think in about the 20th, 25th minute, Harry Grant's going to come on and really target those tight bodies and, and hopefully, from a Queensland point of view, can start making those extra metres and put us in a dangerous position where, you know, something that New South Wales has been scared of, kicking on top of To'o and letting either, you know, Coates or Cobbo, not quite sure exactly how they're going to line up, you know, start that aerial tackle or even just fake them out, think that we're going to go for that and just uh, open up a lot of uh, options for Queensland. Um, but I guess I just said his name. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo getting the start. Uh, are you shocked? We we spoke about this not long ago off air, and you weren't sure whether Selwyn Cobbo should be playing Origin. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure. Obviously, you know, the debutante, it's obviously a big stage to, to come into, but I think it, it does show, I guess, the beauty of State of Origin and what difference a year makes. You know, last year there were a number of debutants coming into the side for, for the Maroons. Obviously, you had guys like Reese Walsh, uh, Mulatalo was in there and then and then scratched out. But I guess the, the suggestion around those sort of guys was that there was a question of if they were ready for State of Origin. This year, you've got obviously Cobbo on the wing and Ruben Cotter in the forwards, and it's more a question of how good they can be at State of Origin. So yeah. I think that's an indication of, I guess, the level of talent that I guess Cobbo in particular can have and, and has shown in the last month. And I guess potentially, depending on who you talk to, the, the selection of Daniel Tupo might even be you know, an indication that, that they are worried about Xavier Coates and, and Selwyn Cobbo and their prowess, you know, particularly airily, uh, yeah, down in that danger end. It shows a scared New South Wales team to me. Nah, obviously, uh, look, let's be, let's be totally honest. I know I'm joking, but there's no way that that isn't a, a move out of being scared because he wasn't in the team. I understand that. I think Brad Fittler's trying to hide it behind the form thing. But let's be real, 10 origin tries, I mentioned it before, Josh Adokar scored, and you're going to drop him? Like, there's no way Queensland would ever do that, and there's no way New South Wales should be doing it. So, um, yeah, hopefully footy gods punish them come Wednesday for that move. Um, But anyway, let's move on to topic number two. I mentioned it before, Buddy Franklin, one-game ban. He's been handed a one-game ban for striking Richmond three-time champion Trent Cochin. You said... Early on, we were at that game. It was a great game, 106 to 100. Uh, Swans getting the win. It didn't look great. Um, he had that initial push to the chest, and then that one that was a little bit higher. I know the Swans said that it just grazed the chin, but it, it definitely looked like a little bit more. I just want to hear. Do you think? I just want to hear your opinion. Do you think one week is the right call? Yeah, obviously we probably haven't seen all the angles in the the tribunal, but from my perspective, it definitely looked like he did make contact with the head. I I think Cochin did play it up a little bit, but I think there was contact to the head, and obviously not knowing all the you know the weightings around uh, Buddy's you know previous history and record at the tribunal, I think one week I was a little bit surprised. I thought it would be maybe three or four to be honest, just because there definitely was some contact with the head, and there definitely to my mind, was some intention in the strike. You know, I don't think he was trying to hit somewhere else and, and Cochin dipped down. So one week I was a little bit surprised, but yeah, that's I guess that's what they've come out with and, and that's the process that they go through. Yeah, to me, I was probably thinking two weeks max um, just because open palm, so it wasn't closed, so it wasn't, it wasn't technically a punch, it was more of a push that was, uh, that was high. Um, it was off the ball, which is like one of the one of the clearest things to know that there was intent to actually target Trent Cochin, and I think that was brought up in the tribunal on Wednesday. Um, but look to me, it's it's uh, it was probably a, a dumb moment, frustration from Buddy. I'm sure he reg- he regrets it, um, but it's just a shame that these tribunals make players look like they're not apologetic for something it's all about you know trying to get off and I think for the Swans I think if they were playing North Melbourne next week or West Coast or whatever there would be no challenge they would just say yeah take the week off but they got the demons this weekend and I think they they've probably been eyeing that game off for a while as a game to like let's go and show 
the rest of the league what we're made of, as every team does when they come up against the Demons. And unfortunately for the Swans, they will be without Buddy Franklin. But let's get into the stuff about the Tribunal. So the Tribunal was held on Wednesday night. And from all reports, it sounds absolutely crazy. Um, and a lot of big statements were made from both the defence and uh, from the Sydney Swans. Now, uh, the AFL Tribunal Council labelled Buddy, and this is huge, as cowardly for his actions. Have you ever seen a uh, a league label one of their big marquee players as cowardly? It's a little bit strange. Yeah, definitely a little bit strange. And particularly, I think, you know, the tribunal is generally a very formal process where, you know, there's lawyers involved and, and it's, you know, the language tends to be quite, you know, formal and, and, you know, I guess like a legal battle, particularly recently, you know, where they're looking at different thresholds and, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a strange term to come out where it doesn't seem very formal or proper sort of language. And, and you know, I think Buddy, as you say before, it's it's hard because we're obviously such big fans of Buddy and obviously he probably wasn't in the right in this situation, but it does make him seem like come off, I think, a lot more negative than probably it should when in reality it was probably a heat of the moment thing that... I guess his emotions got the better of him. And, yeah, it is a very strange description. Yeah, I think uh, basically what you said there, unprofessional. Um, So very interesting from the AFL. But today they have come out and apologised for their words used towards the superstar, um, which is very nice of them. Very nice to apologise to Buddy. Um, But, look... The Swans, they weren't squeaky clean either. They claim that Cochin exaggerated the contact, which, you know, you alluded to is maybe a little bit of column A, column B in this situation. Um, the quote was, um, we say it brushed his chin. The exaggerated head movement back and the rest of the pitches show exactly what it was. And afterwards, there was a wry smile on Mr. Cochin's face. So I guess they're trying to say that, you know, he sold it. He was trying to to bait Buddy into it, um, which you can kind of look at both ways. You know, we both played AFL. We weren't particularly, or definitely not you, one of those players that try and get under someone's skin. Um, But I guess... If you're Cochin, you're probably smiling because you've done your job. Like, you, you put yourself to him, you're grabbing his arm, you're trying to, you know, manhandle him a little bit. And he snapped, and you got the free, and now he's out for a week. Unfortunately, um, uh, Swans got the win. They got the last laugh, but very interesting. Um, but they also claim that Cochin should earn an invite to the Logies rather than the Brownlow. So another um, kind of unprofessional thing there. Um, I don't think that's as far-fetched as calling someone cowardly, um, but it's definitely uh, a little bit of a joke. Uh, what did you think about that when you when you first read that? Yeah, again, it's just pretty weird. You don't, I guess, expect to see that come out of a tribunal uh, hearing, but I think, you know, this one's obviously been a little bit strange and and obviously both sides were were trying to fight their case. As you say before, the Swans are really desperate to get Buddy playing this week because it's such a big game for them and they have relied on him very heavily to kick goals this year. So maybe it was a bit of that and they're just trying to get their point over the line, but to me, although I think it was a bit exaggerated, I still think there was some contact to the head, which unfortunately you just can't do, especially in this uh, day and age. Definitely. So I think 
you initially thought three to four weeks for the contact. I was thinking two weeks. He got one. So Lucas Swans fans, I think we're cheering. Um, but at the end of the day, it's probably not something that you want to see in the AFL. Um, not only is it stupid to an extent, but like it's so unnecessary. Like you reacted like that and like was it worth it? Was it worth just open palming someone to the chin? Because you could I'm sure there'd be a lot of people out there saying, if you're gonna hit him, hit him. You like if you're gonna lash out, make it worth it. Don't make it look as, you know, the defense put it, cowardly. You know, so um, very interesting, um, and you know we hope Buddy learns from this and and gets back on the track and gets prepared for a 2022 premiership run. Um, but anyway, on to topic number three. For myself as a big NBA fan, um, I'm so happy that the finals are finally here. Golden State, Boston. Um, you know, I, I said it at the start. Two of the oldest franchises initially. Um, for those of you who don't know. Warriors were based in Philadelphia, moved over to, to San Francisco. Um, and that they've, both sides have been there since that first year, 75 years ago. Um, so I think for the NBA, it's actually huge. They've been celebrating all year the diamond anniversary of the league and they actually get two of those you know, inaugural uh, franchises in the finals. So you know, it's kind of a, a full circle moment, which is very cool. Um, but... There's been a lot of opinion on on who will win, as there always is. But weirdly, it's been very divided. Um, We saw last year was kind of divided, but I think more people were saying Phoenix were going to win, and then they didn't. So, but this year it's very fifty-fifty. But I think the main argument that we're seeing is that Boston definitely had to defeat harder teams. And I saw I saw this uh, interesting uh, post on Twitter the other day that I shared. That was about the way that Boston got to the finals this year. They defeated all the teams that have defeated them in the last three years. So Miami, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee um, to get here. But they are going up against, you know, one of the great dynasties um, in recent times, probably the last uh, great dynasty, Golden State Warriors. You know, they have that championship DNA, plays for you. Um, you're a Lakers fan, and many people are saying, you know, as Lakers fans, it's kind of, you know, both choices are, you know, worse than the other because, you know, you got that uh, California rivalry and then that, you know, Boston Lakers rivalry. But for yourself, who do you think is uh, is going to um, come out of this series with the Larry O'Brien trophy? Yeah, I think I made the point before, you know, the conference finals were decided that I think in... in you know, the final series, it's such a long, you know, series, you have to play seven games that the less games you can play in the earlier rounds, the better. And and I was right with the Golden State Warriors moving through, but obviously wrong with the Boston uh, Celtics beating the Heat. And I think those extra games will actually come back to bite Celtics, you know, when it gets down to it. I think they've had to work very hard to get over the Heat, whereas I think, you know, the Warriors had a reasonably you know, seamless entry into the into the finals. Yeah. And I think those extra games, those extra days of rest are really going to help guys like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, particularly coming off their injuries. So, yeah, for me, I'm probably leaning towards the Warriors, but there could be an argument made that, you know, the tougher competition gets you more battle-hardened and, and ready for, for a big final push. 
Yeah, definitely probably have to face more adversity. And to your point about Clay Thompson and Steph Curry having a couple of seasons, especially Clay, um, with a lot of injuries, is that this is actually I got to try and word this properly because you know the NBA they're always trying to get these reaches to for statistics. It's the second largest age gap between the top two scorers on both teams in the NBA Finals. I think Steph is 33 and Clay might be 31 and Jason Tatum's 24 and Jalen Brown's 25. So it's definitely uh, a younger duo against an older duo. But then with that older duo comes, you know, three championships, championship DNA, as I touched upon before. Um, but another interesting thing, again on Twitter, guys, go go and follow us at T underscore practice drill. I shared uh, ESPN's predictor based on basketball player indexes. I can't believe what I'm about to say. Boston, they have Boston's chances of winning the title at 86%. 86% as a team that has, hasn't won uh, an NBA championship since 2008. Um, you know, I've been to plenty of conference finals, haven't made it over that hump. This is the furthest they've made it since 2010, and 86%. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes, I think this is an argument, sometimes statistics don't tell the whole story. What do you think about that? I showed you that just before um, we went live, and, and you had a similar reaction that I did, just, you know, a little bit baffled. Yeah, pretty amazed, but I guess that's something we've spoken about in the past that we love about basketball, and I think AFL does it well as well, you know, with the amount of statistics you can gain, and you can see some pretty cool trends and whatnot. I think, you know, the Warriors, obviously they play such a different style of basketball, sometimes they can be hard to, I guess, track with some metrics that you would track other teams with, so maybe that's played a bit of a role, but, you know, it could be interesting, you know, in in 10 days' time, we might be looking back at this and thinking... Well, our stats are the way to go, and Boston have, have cruised home in, in five games. But, yeah, I'd still like to think, you know, that gut feeling that I have that the Warriors are, are going to get the win. Uh, yeah, and I think that final experience that you spoke about will play a really big role. See, for me, I'm definitely... I want the Golden State Warriors to win. I like legacy chat in the NBA. It's something that I think is a big drawing point for them, is wanting to see... You know, everyone's talking about it, and we've actually got a question in our in our quick fire round coming up with everyone trying to compare greatness, and I think that's really interesting. Sometimes it can be taken too far, but for me, I'm going, yeah, I want the Warriors. I want Steph Curry to win his fourth championship, but in my heart, or in my head more, something's telling me Boston are going to win. Something's telling me. I, I like their their defense. Um, not the biggest fan of their players, but you got to, you know, you got to respect good basketball and that's exactly what they play so it'll be interesting but what they're up against you know the Warriors have a chance to win their fourth title since 2015 and it's kind of been crazy they're the only team since 2015 to win multiple championships you know we had that Cleveland in the middle then Toronto ended them and then they've had a couple years of injuries and now they're finally back once they're healthy so I mean, a lot of great storylines, as there always is, coming into the NBA Finals, so it's going to be great. Um, You know, I've written it down here. Who have you got? But I'm pretty sure Warriors, but in how many games? Yeah, obviously, I'll take the Warriors. I think I'll go six games, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think Steph Curry will, you know, cement his legacy a bit more, and he'll be the final MVP. Look, you've taken exactly um, what I am hoping for. Um... If I'm going to go with my head, I'd have to say probably Boston in seven. Um, you know, another thing just to add before we move on is 
Boston haven't lost consecutive games in this playoff series, um, which I think makes them really dangerous at bouncing back. So, you know, I think if Golden State can win consecutive games in this series, as always, they'll probably go on to win the championship. So um, I'm excited. This all starts tomorrow. Um, so very excited. Uh, but Blaze, let's move on to the quick fire round to finish up. Um, if you guys haven't listened over the last couple of weeks, it's a new segment where we quickly talk about a few topics uh, in the sports that we cover and just something that, you know, it's just a small topic that we can just give a little grab on. So I'll ask the question first and, and Blaze will give his uh, short answer. So here we go. Um, yesterday we saw the mid-season AFL draft. Um, what are your thoughts on the concept? Do you think it's actually a, a good idea? I think it is a good idea, you know, for the good teams or the teams that are going to probably win the premiership, they probably don't look at it. And it would be interesting to see some stats to see the guys that are drafted there, how many of them, you know, go on to have actual careers in the AFL or how many games on average players play that were drafted in that mid-season draft. But it's an interesting opportunity, I guess, for teams to fill some holes and for some guys maybe overlooked for a number of reasons to, to get an opportunity at that top level. So... I do like it, even though ultimately it probably doesn't play a big factor in, in the premiership being decided. Um, we spoke a bit about Origin to start, and, and I guess we'll move on to you know Daniel Tupo and, and Katoni Staggs on the New South Wales side. There's been some chat that they may miss Origin 2 to uh, play with Tonga during the rep round that, that clashes with uh, State of Origin number 2. and I guess there's been a lot of chat around these scheduling issues and, and do you think the NRL you know, has to do a better job to avoid these issues and, and allow people to play, I guess, both State of Origin and for some of their island nations? Yeah, and I think this is the problem with having uh, State of Origin Game 2 on a Sunday. I've never understood it. I've never enjoyed it. I think I think everyone who, who has grown up a rugby league fan, um, like myself and a State of Origin fan... You love that midweek game. It just gets you excited. Um, you know, I, I, my memories of it is, you know, watching the game and then going to school the next day. I'm sure, you know, players unfortunately had to go to primary school with me during Queensland's eight in a row, so he definitely heard about it. Um, and, you know, that was all, you know, a part of the fun. But, you know, with this rep round and with the with the rules around origin and, you know, the rules around representing another country. There's a lot of grey there. And I think the NRL needs to swiftly make a choice on are we going to allow players to represent Pacific Island nations and play Origin? And if we're going to do that, are we going to allow New Zealand players to just to play Origin? Or are we going to make sure that we tighten what the rules are now and say no? and run the risk of, you know, some of our, our best talent, like your Katoni Staggs, your Katoni Staggs, your Daniel Tupos, going to represent, you know, their, their family and their history, um, which I think to Island Nations, and it's probably something that a lot of people in Australia may not understand, is is critically important to them and something that they hold very dear to themselves. So, um, yeah, I think something that does need to, do, need to be done about the scheduling, but I think it's also a, a bigger issue. Um Blaze, Super Rugby Finals start this week with the Waratahs. Shout out to them. Um, Brumbies and Reds qualifying from Australia. Do the Aussie sides have any chance of going all the way? It's a tough opposition. 
Yeah, very tough opposition. Obviously, the biased uh, Rugby Australia fan in me says that, you know, we'll have an All-Australian final, <laughs> uh, hopefully between the Waratahs and the Brumbies. Queensland can, uh, you know, get out of yeah, there. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I think that rivalry goes across we'll rugby. We'll have origin. <laughs> we'll see. But I think the Brumbies are definitely our best chance there. Obviously, finished in the top four, so get a home final, whereas the Waratahs and Reds have to travel over to New Zealand this week. Um if I was p- to pick a smoky, I'd definitely look at the Waratahs. They've been building pretty nicely this season. Um, they lost to a you know drop goal last week against the Blues, who finished top and, and only lost one game all year. So the Brumbies are the best shot, and then I'd look at the Waratahs as, as probably a smoky. And yeah, I guess to to have our last topic, uh, we'll we'll finish with the NBA championship. And, you know, we spoke about Steph Curry. If he does win his fourth NBA championship, uh, in your mind, will he move ahead of Kevin Durant on the all-timers great list? Yes. Yep, simply put. I think uh, a lot of the time, it's kind of an interesting one. I think a lot of the time people uh, base NBA championships as how you measure greatness. I think it's definitely a huge part of it. Um, But you've got to take into account what they've done in the game, um, and you know other stats, your points scoring, your assisting, all that, all those little statistical groups, and and I understand that Kevin Durant's probably one of the one of the more skilled scorers of all time. You know, seven foot can score at the rim, three mid range. He's amazing, but Steph Curry literally changed the game of basketball. Um, some say for the worse um, with his three point shooting, but you know he's he's the greatest shooter probably of all time in the NBA. Um, and if he wins a fourth champion championship, tops it off with maybe a finals MVP, which he hasn't been able to get, I think you take that two MVPs, the only unanimous MVP. Um, I, I don't know how you don't put him above Kevin Durant, who has won one MVP, two finals MVPs, and two championships. Um, although they, the two of them share championships together, I think you got to put Steph Curry over him because he's won two by himself and Kevin Durant, if he's better hasn't been able to do that with um with some great sides like that um, Brooklyn side and not OKC because Russell Westbrook's a beast. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, yes is the short answer. Um, but anyway, that'll do us for episode 41 of the Practice Drill podcast. Guys, it's been about a year, so thank you for all the people who uh, have been listening uh, and our, our growing listeners that's been really great so thank you for coming along for the ride and uh can't wait for this origin period ahead blaze um next week on tuesday we will have our origin one special coming out and then we'll have another podcast later in the week probably recapping some of origin and uh and some of the other sports looking into the weekend of sport ahead um blaze uh what are you looking forward to um in, over the weekend of sport yeah, I think first and foremost, for me, it's the rugby union on yep. the weekend and then obviously, you know, state of origin midweek. So it's going to be a great week and we'll see you all on Tuesday. Can't wait, guys. We'll see you then. See ya.